All Souls Unitarian Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma is the largest Unitarian Universalist congregation in our association. Its members include the former New Dimensions congregation of Bishop Carlton Pearson, a former protege of Oral Roberts, who was ousted from his evangelical denomination after receiving and preaching on his vision of universalism, which he calls the gospel of inclusion. The former members of New D are primarily African-American, bringing with them a theology and style of worship that is unfamiliar and even uncomfortable to many white Unitarian Universalists. All Souls Tulsa now holds three worship services every Sunday with distinctly different styles. A traditional service similar to those you'd find in most Unitarian Universalist congregations. A contemporary service with a rousing house band and praise music and a humanist hour that offers reasoned commentary relevant to life in the here and now. In 2013, several of us from First Parish went to Tulsa to attend Mosaic Makers, the Unitarian Universalist Association's conference for congregations on an intentional path to multiculturalism. During a panel discussion with All Souls staff, our former senior minister, Reverend Fred Small, questioned how a congregation that split itself up in this way could really be unified. It's like a family where everyone's in a different room and they're watching three different TV shows, he claimed. A member of the All Souls staff had a rebuttal I'll never forget. No, she said, it's like watching the same TV show in three different languages. The same TV show in three different languages. This metaphor resonated strongly with me because I am a linguophile and a polyglot, more informally described as a language freak. I grew up in a household that spoke three languages. Over the years I've studied German, Spanish, Mandarin, Latin, ancient Greek informally, a few other languages informally, and I work for a company that develops software for multilingual text analytics in 55 languages. In my life, operating in multiple languages and switching between them based on my environment has always been as natural and essential as breathing. But for many years, my spiritual expression demonstrated no such agility. Growing up as a studious Asian kid in northeastern Kansas, my lack of religious faith was just one more thing that made me different, one more excuse for my peers to exclude me. So I did what many do when they're threatened. I stuck to my people, or who I thought were my people. I became a militant atheist, judging religious people as harshly as I felt I had been judged. I became active in atheist communities, campaigning against religion and the use of the word God at every opportunity, mistrusting and even ridiculing anyone who dared to make their faith known to me. Theologically, I was monolingual and proudly so, demonstrating the same kind of xenophobia and fear as some Americans who become anxious and angry whenever they hear another language being spoken in their midst. I want to talk today about my journey out of theological monolingualism to a more spacious and flexible spirituality, to a redefinition of my people, 
not as all non-believers, but as this universal community of seekers that we spoke of in our first reading. I contend that as Unitarian Universalists, we are called to become theological polyglots, learning to find meaning in a multiplicity of religious expressions so that we can companion each other on our spiritual journeys and better navigate our own. I contend that we must honor our theological diversity as part of our commitment to multiculturalism, understanding that our differences are not just to be tolerated, but must be explored and embraced if we wish to become fully human. Some of us carry wounds from childhood experiences of religion. Others find solace and inspiration in elements of traditional faiths. I've known people who left Unitarian Universalist congregations because there was too much God, and people who left because there wasn't enough. For me, being in community with other atheists, as well as humanists, Christians, Jews, pagans, and Buddhists, is what led me to see that not only was I not alone in my beliefs, but that religion and religious people could be decoupled from the judgment and intolerance I had always associated with it. I have learned to understand and even love the language of reverence. I look forward to the time of prayer in our worship service, even as I prepare every morning for the task of translation. It's a language I'm still learning and that I understand better than I speak. While I can derive great joy and meaning from words that assume the presence of a personal God, I still haven't found a way to lead prayer in a manner that feels authentic a weakness I especially regret when I'm ministering to immigrants in detention or leading worship at a time when I know many will find comfort in prayer. Yet there is value to me in this language, even as I acknowledge my lack of fluency in it. One of my role models is a former manager of mine named Chow Wong a woman just a bit older than I am who came to the United States from China in her 20s. I admire her as much for her flexibility as for her intelligence. She's able to excel in an industry dominated by white men without compromising the values of her gender and background. As an immigrant, she recognizes that her sons are growing up in a culture very different from that of her own childhood, and she works to understand and honor this culture while ensuring that they retain the aspects of their Chinese heritage that she deems most important. Knowing that Chao's sons are being brought up bilingually, as I was, I asked her once whether she primarily spoke to them in Chinese or in English. She answered, usually Chinese, but certain conversations, like when we talk about feelings, we do that in English. It would be weird to do that in Chinese. We just don't do that. I find it fascinating that she chooses to use her non-native English to speak about certain subjects, certain important subjects, because she recognizes that it's a language better suited for what she wants to say. For me, too, sometimes the language of God is better suited for what I want to experience. Sometimes I need to be reminded that I exist as part of a larger whole and that I am guided by ideals that supersede my selfish interests. Sometimes it helps me to think of someone or something out there who embodies these values of love and justice and who actively calls me to live them out.
At a time when we see so painfully the consequences of our human imperfection, when we may despair of ever overcoming the difference that, that divide us in mistrust and violence, I draw hope in the words of the Ave Maria prayer. Ora pro nobis nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Pray for us now and in the hour of our death. I feel the weariness of the traveler in Cansado del Camino. Sediento de ti, sumergeme en el rio de tu espíritu. I thirst for you. Immerse me in the river of your spirit. This doesn't mean that I've abandoned personal responsibility in favor of an external savior. Rather, I'm using everything at my disposal to tap into the strength and resolve that I know reside within me. Most of us are familiar with the first and seventh Unitarian Universalist principles, the inherent worth and dignity of every person and the interdependent web of all existence. I wanna talk for a moment right now about the fourth principle, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We Unitarian Universalists are big on freedom. Many of us came to this faith seeking freedom from dogma or from the oppressive God that we learned about in childhood. We even describe Unitarian Universalism, erroneously if you ask me, as the religion where you can believe whatever you want. Yes, we've got the freedom part down pat. But what does it mean to affirm a responsible search for truth and meaning? I used to interpret this word, responsible, as synonymous with rational. I used to think that a responsible search meant always questioning what I heard and read, rejecting the idea of unexamined absolute belief that passes for piety in some faith traditions. It's an interpretation that appeals to the scientist in me. Trust nothing but that which you can verify yourself. Through my work in multiculturalism, through my development as a Unitarian Universalist, I have come to understand this notion of a free and responsible search somewhat differently. As a spiritual seeker and a member of a faith community, I now believe that a responsible search for truth and meaning means not only questioning what I hear and read, but also actively striving to understand that which I am not necessarily inclined to hear and read. As a lifelong atheist, it means holding conversations with theists and learning about how God moves in their lives. It means sharing the ways in which my understanding of the universe works for me in ways in which sometimes it doesn't. I actually find it really strange that there are members of this congregation whom I count among my closest friends, whom I've worked with for years on matters of great personal and global significance, and yet whose theological beliefs I know very little about. Is our commitment to each other so fragile? Our fear of our differences so great that we can't talk about the deepest forces that motivate us? At every new member recognition ceremony, we repeat the words of Francis David that we must not think alike to love alike. But sometimes I wonder if we really believe that. Or is it that we're so certain in our beliefs that we see no reason to consider anything else? At the Unitarian Universalist Church of Annapolis, Maryland, Associate Minister John Crestwell has developed a ministry called Awake, 
described as part talk show, workshop, and church service. It focuses on emotional literacy, life coaching, and features powerful music with a house band and talented guest musicians. Last fall, UUCA made the decision to move awake services from Sunday evenings into the regular rotation, one Sunday morning per month. Attendance on awake Sundays is distinctly lower than on the other three. The congregants who say, stay home on those days explain that the service just doesn't speak to them. They don't get anything out of it. I asked congregant Shantae Daniels, who loves the awake service, how she felt about its move to Sunday mornings. This is what she said. I'm fine with it. I'm not fine with the fact that I can see how it's not supported. I'm not fine with the fact that you can obviously see there are people who don't come to church that day. They'll come the other three Sundays. I'm not going to accept it. It's fair. It gives a little change to the service. We have services for everybody. Did I ever tell you about Darwin Day? First time I went there, I was like, what the heck? But it was okay. Why are you so resistant to having something different? I'm no atheist or agnostic by any means, but I'm not gonna say, today is Darwin Day, I'm not gonna go. You can take, you could almost take any sermon by any minister and apply it to your life if you're willing to stretch yourself. If you're willing to stretch yourself. For Shantae, stretching herself means going to service when it's Darwin Day. For me, it's praise music and a personal God. Anyone who's ever studied a foreign language knows you have to stretch yourself to do it. But if you can get through that initial discomfort, your life is enriched beyond measure. Finding connection with people you thought you literally couldn't understand. Learning to make room for each other's life experiences and cultures. Moving away from fighting over our respective realities to seeing the world through another's eyes. So let us all strive to become theological polyglots. Let us learn to speak the language of reverence and the language of the mundane, to worship through prayer and meditation, as well as through the never-ending struggle for justice. Let us honor the many truths that guide our lives and seek to understand those of others so that we can create unity in a world that sees so much division. Our survival depends on nothing less. Amen, Ashe, and blessed be.